0: You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Hello and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Frances Sellers, a senior writer here at the Washington Post. I'm delighted to introduce my guest today, actress Marlee Matlin. We're going to be talking about her work on the film Coda, about deaf culture, and about her Oscar-winning career, making her one of the best-known deaf actresses in the world. Mali Matlin, a very warm welcome to Washington Post Live.
1: Hi there, hi there. Hello,
2: thank you, good morning. Hello, everyone.
0: Hello, and I'd also like to introduce Jack Jason who's signing for us today. And as a word to our audience, um, we would like you to join in. So please tweet any questions you have for
1: Mali to, to Post Live, that's the Twitter handle, Post Live. Now. First question, Molly,
0: what a day, one day after three BAFTA nominations yesterday for the film CODA, um, there have also been other nominations for the ensemble for the cast, which includes three deaf cast members. What does this kind of recognition mean to you?
1: It's almost, I mean,
2: it's, it's amazing to see all the acknowledgements that the film has gotten, both from, I mean, from every side, the fact that people are really falling in love with the film as well as the cast. I, I, I'm i just, it's not something I'm accustomed to. Uh, however, I'm embracing every moment of it. Every time I read something, every time someone tells me something, everyone, every time someone says, I love the film, if they might've seen it on the plane or wherever I am at the grocery store, it, the journey has been, Heartfelt and amazing. It's been a great journey, and I'm really very, very appreciative. It's, I'm hoping that it will continue for other films uh, and television, and people will get the same reaction. But it is, it's very nice to be recognized for a great so film t- that we so made. Take, yeah. us back
0: to, take us back to the beginning of that journey. Um, when you first read the script, and I know it was based on a French film, but when you first read the script, did you love it? Were the things you wished were different?
1: How did you respond? When I
2: first read the script, I fell in love with it instantly, immediately. I envisioned what it would be like, what we would see on the screen. I mean, it was easy to see from the script that I read. It was so, I mean, so on point. The writing, the the conversations, all the little details that were included in the script were authentic, if, if you want to put it that way. I mean, uh, Sean Hader, who wrote and directed the film, really did her homework. She really uh, did her research on deaf culture as American sign language and deaf people, actually. And she collaborated with uh, lots of deaf individuals in the community, people who really were deaf and who signed. And she worked with CODAs as well. So when I saw the script, I immediately fell in love with it and I wanted to jump right in. And I said to my team, I want to do it, period.
0: So I want to just remind our audience that CODA stands for Child of Deaf Adults. And of course, you have three CODAs of your own and so much of this movie feels very, as if it could be very personal. Let's take a look at one of the clips that resonated so much when I watched the movie. Why is it always about you? I'm meeting people, I'm making friends. You know what? You should get out in the world too. Yeah. Wow, that spoke to me on so many different levels. But tell me, Molly, what was it like to film that scene?
1: I'm a mom of four, I have
2: four codas, and uh, that that means they're all hearing. And um, that scene, that day was difficult for me because I had to delve into Jackie's frame of mind Mm. to understand what it was that motivated her to say that to her own daughter. What it was, I mean, to talk about something to her daughter that she loved doing and that we talked, I mean, Something we never had music in our lives, we never had concerts in our lives, in our family. It wasn't something we were familiar with. So I had to really delve deep into Jackie's thought processes because, and I know she wasn't intentionally meaning to hurt her daughter. And I think she was trying to, it's just something that she didn't get. It was something that she felt like she could belong. Uh, which was music. So she wanted to be her supporter, certainly, but how could she do that if it was music and she couldn't hear her own daughter's voice? So it really, I mean, it took Jackie back and she had to say, look, if we were painters, uh, if you were a painter and we were blind, would you want to do that? I mean, as a mom, I would never say that. I would never say that to my own child. I I, I would let their my children, you know, follow their own dreams. But it was really a struggle for me to play that character and really delve into it. It was just, she's one of those people who just sort of says what she feels because it brought her back to her own childhood that she didn't have a great deal of support from her parents and Jackie's fear of not being able to enjoy and to participate as a mom as she should.
1: So tell me, I'm curious, how have your own four coders responded to this film? It was interesting
2: to watch them and uh, react to the film. I, I remember watching them as I was watching the film, and they were very quiet. They were very certainly attentive. And a lot of times they laughed. A lot of times they spoke to themselves or they talked among themselves. And there were a lot of points in the film that they could identify with, a lot of points that they couldn't identify with. And they learned a great deal because there's all kinds of codas codas who sign fluently, codas who don't sign fluently, codas who really get into their parents'. Lives and deaf culture, and others. I mean, every coda is different. So they probably thought of things uh, that they could relate to growing up with me as their mother. I'm the only person in my family who's deaf, but they loved it, and they loved the cast, and uh, they really, they were really very proud. Finally, a movie like this happened, and they were happy for that.
0: Well, there's been so much recognition of the deaf members of the cast, but there's also been some criticism of the movie for having a hearing person playing the the, the protagonist. What's your response to that?
1: Which role are you referring to? To 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 Ruby's role, a hearing person playing that role. No, no, the
2: the Coda is a hearing person. Ruby happens right. to be deaf. No, Ruby's not okay. deaf. All, she's supposed right. to be hearing. Ruby, so I don't know what the, what you're referring to. The interpreter is asking for clarification.
0: Yeah. So so I have seen earlier on from some people in the disability community discomfort with the fact that there's a hearing person taking on such a major role in a film that looks at deafness, and I wondered what your response is to that.
2: Oh well, listen. This is a story. This is a this is a coda story. So I think you mean that's. I mean, I've always talked about hearing actors. Who play deaf roles or, disab- or disabled roles, mm-hmm. and it, it, because they don't live or experience that, that's something I've always said. And I don't think that deafness or disability is a costume that you can play. That's not I something know. that's authentic, right? So now the other yeah. issue, which I think you're up, is you're talking about whether Amelia Jones' character, who is a Coda, is not actually a Coda, and that's something different because Codas I consider not disabled, and so it's a different issue altogether. So that's, that. I think that may be right. the point you brought up. She, she played it brilliantly.
0: Oh, it's fantastic. And she's also being recognized as well. I know with some of these awards, which is wonderful.
1: Yeah, she's great.
0: <laughs> well, tell me more. you mentioned this question of authenticity, which is so important. And I know you've spoken out about it, that as you said, Deafness is not a costume that you can put on. But talk to me a little bit more about the importance of authenticity in these roles.
2: Well, I think that the fact that there are so many deaf actors out there, we're so underrepresented and actors with disabilities are underrepresented. We're not used as often as we should be as represented in the regular community, in the general community. Um, I think that, I mean, there's people on, there are people on the spectrum who aren't represented. There are people who are disabled that aren't represented. And I think there are actually real actors who live it and experience that role, that experience those, that have those lives, whether you're talking about TV or film. They really are out there. So it's been the longest time that they haven't been represented. We've always been looking for work. We've always had doors shut in our faces. And I think what I'm trying to do is to try to break down those barriers. And I can't do it alone. There are so many people out there who should be included in the fight against those who, I guess how we can put it, don't think outside the box, who are afraid to use us, and and rather put in non-disabled or non-deaf people in roles. And I think CODA finally broke open the doors real wide and showed the importance of authenticity and, and inclusion, and that we're part of the diversity discussion.
0: So this is such a trailblazing movie. As you say, do you think there is more appetite for movies that focus on disability or really embrace this notion of authenticity on the big screen?
2: I think that it can be both. I think you can focus on disability and focus on deafness, but I also think that you can just focus on good stories that include deaf, deaf and disabled individuals. You don't have to dwell on the deaf or disability storylines for, for good filmmaking. I mean, it's, we're just, we should just be part of the story. You could do both. If it is talking about deafness and disability, great, use deaf and disabled actors. Either way, you can tell good stories, you could tell deaf and disabled stories, either one, you win both ways.
0: One of the things I noticed in the movie was the use of texting for people to communicate. Um, That's obviously a big change from when you were growing up and how might those kinds of technologies
1: have affected you as a teenager?
2: I remember growing up and I imagined a world where I had words on the screen, like closed captions. I thought, wow, how cool would that be if I could read what was going on in the screen? I never thought about closed captioning in the formal sense of of the word. I just thought of words, just words on the screen. And naturally, this happened. And that changed my life altogether. Without it, I, I really couldn't understand or enjoy what was going on on television, on the screen. I really, really could not absolutely could not now with you know then we got pagers and then we could send little messages back and forth and then pagers became texting and texting became facetime and with apple and all the things that you can do with technology and video conferencing i mean it's it 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 would if i didn't have them today would feel like i I would had no arms it really really my life is is better because of these things because of these tools for communication to be able to work with people whether they're hearing or not, uh, it's just opened up my world altogether. The world is so much uh, bigger in terms of all the possibilities, work, family, school, whatever it may be. Uh, it's just, it's really made a big change. It's, I, I can't even imagine it. I, I can't even imagine. It, I mean, my grandmother who died maybe 35 years ago, if she came back and saw this, she would probably be for a loop, all this technology. That's how I think of it. That's how I think of it. But no, I'm, I'm very appreciative, and I never take any of these technological tools for granted. But we're talking about rights now. If you're talking about rights and access to these tools, I think we still have a lot of work to do. Access is very important.
0: Huh, fascinating. So I want to take you again to one of the most poignant parts of the movie, and maybe we can play another clip now and take a look at how you wrestle with this notion of Deaf culture and inclusiveness and the kinds of mutual dependencies that we see so powerfully in this movie. Well, Molly, it's so powerful. It's so painful. How do you relate to the concerns you express so poignantly in that scene?
1: I don't really relate to at, at all, actually.
2: I mean, in all honesty, I I never had this the, the, the same questions that my kids would have asked me whether I wished that they were deaf or hearing when they were born. It's... To do the scene really was uh, intense for me as an actor because I had to get in again. Why would Jackie say why now? Would she confess to her daughter? Why would she never have shared these feelings with her? Um, Not a secret, but extremely emotional for her. This this very very intense experience that when Ruby was born, she wished she were. Deaf and now she's in the bedroom expressing that, and she's trying to be as transparent as possible she's trying to show her daughter that uh she's been on a journey and, throughout the film uh, you know at the beginning she didn't realize or what you know Ruby's dreams were and what she was identifying as a person, not someone that we should interpret or should uh, uh you know look to to interpret for us all our lives and now she's gotten older and For Jackie to be able to be honest and share her experiences growing up, where she wasn't, you know, she didn't want to disappoint anyone. Ruby allowed Jackie to be her and vice versa. And it's okay to be able to share your feelings, to be able to share your experiences, and be able to grow together, to be uh, uh, there for Ruby's journey.
0: Talking about technology, I've just got a question on Twitter, which I'm going to read to you from my phone. So it's a question from Mark Fagerberg who says, Amelia Jones, who of course plays Ruby, said working on the film was like being in a new family and Marley was the mum. Was that your intention?
1: Well, I mean,
2: I'm... <laughs> when I connect with someone, I really, I really care. I mean, I give it all. And yes, I can be extremely maternal, and say things like, "Did you eat? And did you make sure you got gas in your car? And are you going to be okay for the day? And how did you sleep? And <laughs> all these things that mothers might say. That's just who I am as me. I could be annoying, especially for my own kids and some other people. But that's just who I am. But yeah, I love Amelia. Uh, she really, she really is multi-talented. She's she has so. I mean, she's wonderful and fresh, and yet she's an old soul and uh, to think that she's been around for a long time, I mean, you would think she was. And every time I, we work together or talk with each other, it's so refreshing when I'm with her. It's She is truly, I mean, I'm bursting with pride for all the recognition she's getting.
0: Well, I can't talk to you without looking over your shoulder and seeing that Oscar sitting right there. Of course, you were the only deaf actor, actress to receive one um you were the youngest woman to ever receive one it's quite something but looking back 19 i'm trying to remember the date of children of a lesser god but in all those years looking back how do you think it would have been made
1: 87 how long how do you think it would have been made differently if it were made today Well, um, there are a lot of things that
2: happen in the film that didn't exist in, back then, you know, for example, um, in terms of communication tools. But, um, I mean, Children of the Lesser God was just groundbreaking in itself. It was so, first of all, it was on Broadway. It started with Phyllis Freilich. And, uh, you know, it was the first time people really saw deaf culture and sign language in a film. And, unfortunately, nothing happened since then. Now we have CODA. but. I think the people who see and watch Children of Lesser God, really, uh, Coda reminds them of this film. There's so much that the two films share together. And its it's been such a long time since we've seen anything like Children of Lesser God. But uh, the story is just one of a million stories and it resonates. Children is just a wonderful resonating story and Coda is a wonderful resonating story and there's so many more stories to tell and share. So, um, It's just it's just a wonderful story. I don't know if there'd be any changes you would do with anything. Yeah, (laughs) great.
0: Well, going back to the to the current
1: movie.
0: It's so much about identity identity and deaf identity and familial identity and the, the, the ties that bring people together. How do you see it through your own experience? Does it reflect your own experience? Does Ruby's experience resonate with you and with your family
1: fully? Well again as i said
2: um people think that because i sign in the film that um this is this is what all deaf people do this is uh, it, that it's a matter of of i guess just that hearing people uh, playing hearing people doesn't mean that they're necessarily it all the same i think there are Lots of things that I, I, I do think that resonated with me, it was in terms of uh, attitudes towards uh, community and, cu- and culture, speaking with my husband in sign language. Um, but yeah, it's just a different story than my life. And yet it's one that I can identify with in many ways. But listen, I don't fish and I don't really have a, a daughter that sings, maybe just a little bit. But yeah, it's an interesting story. It was wonderful to jump into it and to play those roles and live that life. Yeah, the Rossi life.
0: I'd love to ask you about the actual process of signing and interpretation. There's a wonderful part in the movie where Ruby is grappling for words and she turns to ASL. She turns to sign language to express herself, even though she's speaking with another hearing person. Tell me about the importance of all the communication that happens through signing and how you, how you work with an interpreter. We have Jack right here and I'd love to know you have a long bond. Talk to us about that process.
1: Well, in this film in
2: particular, um, the set was different than any other set that I've ever worked with in terms of interpreters. First of all, I had not only one interpreter, I had several interpreters. We also had what's called directors of ASL or Dazzles that these are people who work with us to make sure that our expression of ASL was correct, that we work with the director in terms of how our sign language was expressed on the screen, that our sign language wasn't cut off. But yeah, it's, it's a very, I mean, this, I mean, it was a set like any other set, but if you want to talk about the importance of communication, it's interpreters, it's directors of sign language, it's crew and cast who all sign. I mean, it was amazing, I really tipped my hat that everybody on this set learned how to sign. So everyone on this set was one big family. And uh, on other sets, I've had that kind of experience, but not quite the same way as I did with Koda. Yes, some people did learn some signs and I could communicate with them, but it was always through my interpreter and it was just me and Jack or me and another interpreter. But on this one, it was different. So it's just a different film. It was great on those films, but in this film, I was in my element as opposed, it was more about me and the, and the set and the crew than it opposed to just the work.
0: Well, it's been wonderful to have you in your element right here with us today. Molly Matlin, thank you so much for joining Washington Post Live.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.